Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors, Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end-user experience issues regardless of where IT workloads or users are located. And also by Liquidware, creators of FlexApp, the most feature-rich application learning product on the market today. And now some news. Apple have issued a recall of certain 15-inch 2015 edition MacBook Pros. Ars Technica report that Apple's support page provides an input for customers to enter the serial number from their MacBooks to see if they are affected. There isn't much detail on what the issue is other than batteries may overheat and pose a fire risk. Apple will send your device to a repair center in order to replace the battery. Credit to Dan Kim on Twitter for the best tweet about the issue. He pointed out that Apple's statement on the issue of your battery potentially catching fire ends with a long paragraph with Apple reminding everyone how revolutionary, innovative, empowering, and breakthrough Apple's work and products are. I wonder if they fired the person who decided to copy and paste that generic self-praise into that kind of article, because they probably should. If you run Windows 10 version 18.09, you'll want to take the latest cumulative update, which contains over 30 fixes, including an issue with Office 365 applications that do not launch or work when delivered or deployed as App V packages. And there's also an issue that causes a mouse pointer to disappear when using a Citrix remote PC to connect to a Citrix Zen desktop VDA session. And that's just two examples. Like I said, there's more than 30 fixes in this cumulative update. So if you're on 1809, you'll definitely want to take that. Forbes posted a follow-up story to a previously reported story about Google making changes to Chrome that will prevent ad blockers like uBlock from working. The article states that this change has upset some Chrome users to the point that they have vowed that they will find another browser to use once these changes come into effect. Microsoft are reportedly gauging opinion from users on the topic of ad blockers, possibly with an end goal of including the option to use them with their new Chromium-based Edge. If you haven't already, you should really try out that new Edge. It is pretty good, like I've been saying for a few weeks now. Um, I also reported last week on the podcast about a Firefox Premium version that will be releasing in the future. That could be pretty interesting. And also another alternative that's really interesting is a browser called Brave, which I've also covered on the podcast in the past. And speaking of Brave, the Register reports this week that Brave are urging the UK data watchdog to follow Ireland's lead in probing a claim that Google ad tech used for online advertising breaches GDPR. Brave suggests ad tech's share is too vast sprawling and automated to be fully compliant with the law, which states that personal data must be processed in a manner that ensures appropriate security, including protection against unauthorized or unlawful processing and against accidental loss, destruction, or damage using appropriate technical or organizational measures. Personally, I feel like that wording does leave some wiggle room. Uh, 
it's completely up to the interpretation. So these governing bodies certainly could state that Google is in breach based on that wording. I guess it depends how they're feeling on the day. And we all know how that goes. Mozilla have released a new version of Firefox, version 67.0.3, which addresses a zero-day vulnerability. Unfortunately, the security researcher, nor Mozilla or Hacker News, had details on the active exploitation part of the vulnerability. But if you use Firefox, obviously a zero-day is very serious, so you should update. Don't wait to find out exactly what the details are of this, just do it. Nicholas Ignato shared some great Citrix news on Twitter this week. You can now connect an on-premises Citrix gateway as an identity provider to Citrix Cloud and leverage your existing authentication and identity with Citrix Workspace, be it Radius, Smart Cards, Pass-Through, or whatever option you're using. Another solid gain for Citrix Cloud and feature that's going to help flesh out their Citrix workspace offering as a whole. ZDNet have reported that a ransomware gang has breached at least three managed service providers and used remote management tools, namely Webroot Secure Anywhere, uh, running on those MSP's infrastructure to deploy ransomware on the MSP's customer systems. It's reported that hackers remoted in and using elevated privileges manually uninstalled antivirus products such as ESET and Webroot. The hackers searched for traces of accounts for Webroot Secure Anywhere and then executed a PowerShell script once in that downloaded and installed the ransomware. In response to the attacks, Webroot began forcibly enabling two-factor authentication for Secure Anywhere accounts. It was available as an option at the time, but of course not all Organizations or customers are going to be proactive enough to set up the two-factor authentication for themselves. So I think it's pretty good response by Webroot to forcibly enable the two-factor authentication. It's probably just the way to go long-term anyways for all of these types of vendors. This week I blogged about Control Up. In my blog I go through some examples of how I use it just week to week in my own work life. There's no marketing guff, it's just real-world examples. So if you want to check that out, you can find it on RoryMon.com or, as always, everything I reference on each episode of the podcast, all those links are available on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links, and this week's episode is episode 77. Congrats to everyone involved in the Citrix user group community on the 500th event that was held this week. Actually, just hours before the 500th event was held, I was privileged to attend my very first Irish CUGC in Dublin. It was great to go to my home CUGC for the first time ever. I got to see people like David Wilkinson, George Spears, and Jim Moyles present. You know, that's three Citrix CTPs, the kind of caliber of experts and speakers that you would see at large events like Citrix Synergy, where you'd have to pay thousands of euros or dollars just for a ticket to the event, let alone what you then spend on transportation, hotels, and expenses. And these CUGC events are being held all over the world. You should really check out your local CUGC and register for the next event. You won't be sorry if you go.
And on the topic of excellent community groups and content, Team RGE will be holding a community event in Utrecht on June 25th. There will be 16 sessions presented in under seven hours by various industry experts. Topics will cover a pretty broad spectrum, including EUC, VDI, cloud, GPU, benchmarking, user experience, tools, and more. The sessions will be recorded, so I'm sure I will feature those videos once uploaded on the podcast again. This event is free, and as the event starts at 4 p.m., there will be dinner provided. So this is a pretty hardcore event because it looks like it's running from 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. But it promises to be a pretty excellent event. I mean, getting dinner and seven hours worth of free excellent tech content sounds like a pretty good deal to me. And now this week, a hot job. Okay, so this is a first. This is not actually about a job posting. I had a buddy reach out to me this week to tell me he had a job opportunity lined up and it just fell through at the last minute. So if you have or know of a remote work opportunity or possibly a role in the West of Ireland for an excellent business intelligence developer, please reach out to me. You know, an example of the skill set includes business objects, SQL, Power BI, and just all things working with that kind of data. You can reach out to me via my site. There's a contact form on RoryMond.com or 5BytesPodcast.com. If you know of anything, or by all means, just reach out to me on Twitter at RoryMond. Thank you. And now this episode's weekly webinar. On June 26th at 9 a.m. Pacific, NVIDIA will be holding a webinar on accelerating Python in banking using NVIDIA Rapids. You may recall I talked about Rapids a few weeks ago during a GTC wrap-up on the podcast. In this webinar, you will learn about the Rapids platform and how financial institutions are leveraging the platform. You'll learn about the applications in both asset management and retail banking, and also how to get started and where the Rapids near-term roadmap is going. And now this episode's scripts, tricks, and tips. So this week is actually one of my own that I've involved in. I was actually fortunate enough to get to talk about this free tool that I had a part in helping get developed during the Citrix user group meetup in Dublin. And this is a spinoff of my originally what was the app V decision matrix, which has now been released as the application delivery matrix. It essentially allows you to go through your application portfolio, all your applications and answer some questions which would then determine and tell you what the best application delivery solution is for those particular applications. In the past, we had an Excel macro that could help you with doing that tracking and automating some of that. And now that's been reimagined into this free web tool. So you can go to app.algis-technology.com and you'll see that there's a pretty simple text field and you can put in the name of an application. So let's say maybe Adobe Acrobat Pro and say 11. 
for grins. I'll click start. It'll ask me what type of application this is. So is it a web app? Is it a browser app? Is it a desktop app? Well, this is a traditional desktop app, so I'll select desktop app. Does this application have machine-specific licensing? So, for example, MATLAB might be an app that has machine-specific licensing. This does not. Does it contain boot time services? No. Does it contain complex component services, which are rare and becoming even more rare in applications? That's a no. Uh, DCOM, that's a no. Does it contain drivers? Well, yes, it certainly does. These types of PDF applications are other PDF converter applications on the market like Foxy Reader tend to contain drivers or for print drivers. So I'm going to say green check for that. Can they be extracted? Well, a lot of times these drivers can be extracted, and but sometimes it's a question of is it worth the effort? So let's in theory go I'm going to say no. I don't want to go extracting these drivers. And based on my answers, you can see it's suggesting that I deploy using Numescent Cloud Paging, uh, deploy it as a local install, or poss possibly as an application layer. And there's some more information then on some of those tools. This is in beta right now, and we hope to flesh it out and bring even more value to it in future. I'd like to introduce the ability to reference the name of the application that you put in. And if there's like a automated package that's already out there, show you that that exists. Or possibly if there's a, something like an AppV recipe or a Numescent Cloud Paging recipe, link you to that recipe. And just make the entire process of virtualizing, containerizing, packaging your application and getting it deployed the right way. And by the way, during this quick demo, I just entered in a single application, which you could do. Uh, if you want to test with multiple applications, you can create an account and then save your list of applications and have those results that you can always reference. This tool could be really powerful when combined with something like Citrix App DNA that gives you a lot of that information on if an application contains complex component services or drivers, for example, or if you're a VMware Dell customer, maybe you have ChangeBase that gives you that similar information. If you don't have any of them, if you're currently using the AppV sequencer, you can run your applications through that quite quickly and that will report back on if the application contains drivers or COM plus or DCOM or what have you. Like I said, it is in beta, so I'd really appreciate any feedback that you might have. And just before I wrap up this episode of the podcast, kind of in line with the hot job segment, doing things I don't usually do on the podcast, I wanted to mention a charity effort that's currently going on in my home country of Ireland. It's called A Voice for John. My uncle, John Gare, was diagnosed in January 2018 with motor neuron disease, and the disease is quite aggressive. John has gone from a hardworking father and veterinarian to near total paralysis. 
He's confined to a wheelchair and needs full-time care, just 24 hours a day, seven days a week, which is provided by his wife, family, neighbors, and friends at his home in Claire Morris County, Mayo. In order to raise funds for this worthy charity, members of my family and also close friends of the family are actually currently cycling from Ireland's most southerly point, Mizzenhead, down in Cork, to Ireland's most northerly point, Malinhead. And as I record this audio right now, I'm actually looking at a live stream of the GoPro video. It's pitch black, and the cycle is still going strong. It looks like they're actually a couple hours ahead of schedule. The entire cycle is going to be over 650 kilometers within 24 hours, and it's being carried out in a relay fashion. And my twin brother is actually one of the cyclists that is completing about 120 kilometers, I believe, of that 650. The proceeds being raised will go towards eye gaze machines, which are these really cool devices. They kind of look like tablet devices that work off sight. So John's just able to look at the screen and it will essentially speak for him. And these machines cost about 10,000 euros each. And the goal is to raise 100,000 to fund at least 10 of these machines. And I've told my wife and some other friends that John is probably one of the nicest people in the family. Like I said, he worked as a vet. You know, the way the Irish farming scene has gone, there isn't all that much money in farming over here anymore. And a lot of farmers were struggling financially and they couldn't necessarily pay things like vet bills for services that they really did require to keep their farms alive, really. And John was always a very accommodating. He would help them out no matter what. I can remember staying with John and Miriam when I was younger down in Cork, when he was still working and practicing in Cork. And he was on call like 24 hours a day, getting called out for all kinds of things, particularly during the spring, during the calving season. He's a very nice kind, compassionate, gentle soul. And him and others suffering from this terrible disease could really use your support. So if you can afford to give anything at all, I'll provide a link with this episode, which is episode 77 on 5bytespodcast.com under reference links. And that's it for another episode of the podcast. Thank you all so much for listening.